reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. And if you would remain standing, please, in honor of God's word. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated, please. Are you excited this morning? Some of you are. I like it. Is it warm in here? Good. It's going to get warmer. Yay. You know, this is exciting to come and worship. I I hope you know that. And and thank you for being here. I mean, I know some of you were very tempted to stay home and make sure you saw the first of the game. Well, don't worry. Nothing happens in the first couple plays. We'll get you home in time. After breakfast, after the congregational meeting, you'll like the sermon so much you'll want to stay for second service. You'll get home just before the end of the game, and then if they're losing, you won't care. And if they're winning, you'll be glad. And see, it's all good in the hood, right? It is very good. You know, this morning we embark upon a a new direction. And, And I say new because, okay, we change the words a little bit, and that's a new direction. Really, it's a direction we've gone on for years and years and years, but this time, we're going to get it, okay? This side is not going to get it at all, I can tell, but the rest of you are are going to get it. And and as we look here, and, and if you remember, we looked at what difference does it make that we have Jesus Christ in our life, and we've preached a number of sermons on that. Guess what? We're going to preach what difference does it make that we have Jesus Christ in our life to other people. You see, we get so hung up on what it means to us. We get so enthralled in what's in it for me. We are a consumer generation that says, if I can get something of it, I want it. If I can't, I don't. Well, friends, as Christians, we got to change our thoughts. We got to change our direction from the not so much me, 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 what's in it for me, but what is in it for those people that we are around. This morning we're going to talk about what God is doing in lives, our lives, and and how beautiful to get to dedicate a a little one and then to get to baptize Gordy and and just, just see him and the process that he went through. You know, God is active in our world today. And God wants to use us in our world today. And if we will just allow him, then then exciting things are are going to take place. So my first question to you is, what is it all about? And we have to constantly ask ourselves that question as we look at life, as we look at doing church, as we look at being a Christian. What is it all about? What is the goal? Now, let me go back to the Seahawks here. Because if Matt Hasselbeck is successful and throws passes and they catch him, that's good. If they hand the ball off and, and, and the, the runner gains yards, that is good. If the Seahawks get a lot of first downs, that is good. But if we don't score any points, it does no good at all. Are you with me? Now, how does that relate to the church? You know, we can have programs, we can have beautiful music, we can have great worship, we can help the poor, we can can do all of these kind of things, but if we do not score touchdowns, it doesn't do a lot of good. 
So the purpose, the goal of football is to score. And if you score more than the opponent, you win. The purpose of us as a church, as Christians, well, what is it? Let me see. For years and years and years, our goal, our purpose, has tied into two main passages of Scripture. The one is the great commandment. All right, let's see you Bible scholars. What is the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So two things, love God with everything and love your neighbor. That's pretty good, isn't it? Do you agree with that? Is that good stuff? So the second thing then is the Great Commission. And Pastor Mary told you I'd be preaching on the Great Commission, so I hope you know this one as well. In fact, she just read it. What did it say? Go where? Into all the world. And do what? Teach and baptize and make disciples. You know, we can have all of these programs, we can have all of these beautiful services, we can do all of these things, but if we are not making disciples, we will not win. Our goal as a church our goal as Christians is that we might make disciples. Let's see. To make disciple people, hmm, obviously they must be saved. Obviously they must be baptized. And then we need to train them. We need to teach them. We need to have them following Jesus. We need to have them making Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. Notice two things here. The one is, if people are going to be what they should be according to God, they need to be doing all those things. Guess what we should be doing? All of those things. Does that make sense to you? If it's a good enough for them, it should be good enough for us. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Screwtape Letters, wrote, If we take our handbook seriously, we have to conclude that the church is the basic school of discipline and training for all Christians. The goal, make disciples. So how do we go about making disciples? Well, there is the Great Commission. It is simple. It is intentional. Hey, this could be CSI for you CSI fans. Church, simple and intentional. So what is it? How do we do that? Well, first of all, in Matthew chapter 28, it says that we are to go. Did you hear that? We have spirits in here. <laughs> it says we are to go. Go into all of the world. Hmm, go. Well, okay, go, go. No, don't go, please. But you get the idea that we are told to go and do these things. But wait a minute, if we look at the Greek there, it more is in line with as you go. I don't have to tell you to go, you're already going to go. You know, in a little bit, you're going to leave here and you're going to go. You're going to go somewhere, right? Some of you are going to go in and have breakfast. 
Some of you are going to the congregational meeting. Some of you are going to go home and watch the Seahawks. Some of you could care less about any of those things. But you're still going to go. Well, guess what? As you go, you have a responsibility. As you go, God has made you in a way that there is something that has to be taking place. And, and we're going to look at that. In fact, you know, as we go, the good news is that God has equipped us to go. You know, he's enabled us. He's empowered us. And we're to go and do everything that he asks. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach. Okay. You know, I'm not on the level of Jesus, but I'm going to appoint you to go. And by the way, as you go, there's some things that you need to do. And you say, well, pastor, we don't care what you think. Well, Jesus is appointing you to go as well. And as you go, then make sure that you do what he calls you to do. So the what is go. Where? Where are we to go? What does it say there? Into all nations. In case you haven't figured it out, that is everywhere. No, there's no place that is left. It might be next door here. It might be next door to where you live. It might be next door to where you work. It might be right in your work. It might be in your home. It might be everywhere. It might be to Guatemala. It might be to the Appalachians. It might be anywhere. We are to go to all nations. Now, let me tell you something that should excite you. Well, maybe it won't excite you. Maybe it'll just make you feel better. Or maybe it won't do that at all. But I believe that if God instructs us that as we go into all the nations, I think that he is going to begin to open doors for us. I begin, he, I believe he is going to find those open doors, those empty hearts for us to deal with, to work with. By the way, you know, we're very law-abiding around here. We'll have no breaking and entering. You don't need to do that when God opens doors. You don't need to go up to some stranger and beat them over the head and say, you better accept Jesus or you're going to hell. <laughs> How many of you would buy into that? See, and, and nobody else out there would either. But you don't have to break and enter. God will open those doors. You can walk right in. God will provide those opportunities. You know, when I got back from vacation, Mary was telling me about the brochures, I mean, the, the booklets, the study booklets, and, and how it came about. And, and then she shared some fun thing about what happened with one of the uh, people she was working with. And she told, I guess, wow, but I don't think most of you have heard it. So, Mary, will you come and share a little bit about what took place there? And this is really God opening doors. It was just so much fun. Last weekend, when the booklets were being printed, there were all sorts of things that happened that went wrong. And it wasn't from the church's end. It was from the copier's perspective and miscommunications and this or that they ended up having to make 300 of these booklets in one day. And that's daunting. That's over 6,000 copies of the pages. And so 
I went finally to pick them up after all day Saturday getting phone calls. I, I go to pick them up, and it's 9, 9 o'clock, 9.15 in the evening when I meet them at the copiers. And I, the, the manager was just wonderful. She had just knocked herself out to make this happen. And she, she's helping load these into my car, and she says, you know, this is good stuff. And I looked, I was very surprised, and I, this is the door opening. I said, really? Well, I'm glad that you, that you like it. And she said, yeah, she said, this is, this is really different than what I, I usually see churches doing. And she says, you know, I don't go to church. I said, oh, okay. She said, I, I came to figure out years ago that churches are all about two things, getting members and getting their, mom, their money. And I was like, whoa. And so I looked at her and I said, well, unfortunately, that's, there's a lot of truth to that. And I said, and churches tend to be way more about themselves than about reaching out, and it's a hard thing to do. I said, this study is to equip the people of Sumner Presbyterian to reach out and to learn to be disciples in everything they do, everywhere they go. And she said, that's really different. And then she looked at me, she said, but I have my faith. She said, you know, I worship God, I have my faith. And at that moment, I'm thinking, do I, do I go there? Do I walk through that door? And I thought, why not? I'm, I'm me, I'll walk through the door. And so I said, well, I said, you know, our culture is very much an individualistic culture. And I said, but we are created to be in community. And she looked at me, she was quite surprised, and I said, she said, oh, yeah, that's that fellowship thing. <laughs> and I said, yes. I said, fellowship is good. I said, but that tends to be more about us. I said, it's more about equipping, being equipped and being encouraged by one another so that we can go out and make a difference as, as Christ's followers. And she looked at me and she said, you've given me a lot to think about. She said, I'm, you know, you've challenged me. What church do you go to? And so I told her. And I'm praying for her. We may see her one Sunday. Thanks, Mary. You know, that's what it's all about. It's being ready, it's being there, and when the opportunity comes, making that decision that you will go there. Notice she said, she questioned whether she wanted to go there or not. She could say, oh, it's 9.30, it's late, I'm tired, I've been working on this, I need this done, and forget you, let's go, let's get this done. But see, she was placed in a situation, in a position where God would use her. And she said, in a sense, okay, use me, Lord, use me. And, and, and I guess that's what I would ask of you is that as you are going into all nations, which you will do, that you just open yourself to see those open doors and to move into that direction. So the what is to, as you are going, go. The where is into all nations, but why? Why are we to do that? Well, the verse says that we are teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Now, what has God commanded us to do? And, and you could list a whole bunch of things, but let me make it easy for you. I would say to make it easy is let's just 
go and teach the basics, the essentials. You know, if you've had a baby or if you've raised a baby or something, they start out eating and getting rid of what they eat, right? And if they do those two things well and you teach them how to do those things, I know about potty training, you know, you've done what you need to do. At that point, you teach them the basics. You don't pull out your physics book or your calculus book as they're sitting on the potty and saying to them, well, look at this and, and do this. And, you know, you don't do that because it would be worthless. When you go into the world, into all the nations, teaching what we have commanded you, start with the basics. You don't have to discuss predestination with them, the people that come. You don't have to do that. You don't have to discuss transubstantiation with them. You don't have to. You don't have to ask, well, are you amillennial, premillennial, or postmillennial? You don't have to do that. You begin with the essentials. Because I, I think one of the problems we have is we begin to think, you know, if I open up to God to use me in the life of somebody else, they're going to ask me questions I have no clue an answer for. So what? So what? Most of those people don't have the basics. They don't have the essentials. And so you go with what you know. What do you know? Jesus loves me, this I know. Wow. How can anybody refute that? Wow. You know, I... I spent this last week at Disney World. It was cold, but it was fun to watch people. And, and one, of my, one of my sadnesses about going to Disneyland or Disney World or, or someplace like that, do you remember when you were a kid and you went your very first time? Or maybe when you were an adult and you went your very first time? And it was so exciting because you saw Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and you had all these big rides and all this stuff to eat and it was just so wonderful and you were excited. You got this big smile on your face and your parents just looked at you and cracked up because you were so excited about that. And, and you came home and you said, oh, we went there and we saw this, we wrote on this, we got a picture taken with this and look at my autograph book and, you know, all of those things. You know, you know what I think we miss as we get older in the Christian faith, that we lose how exciting this whole thing is. If you've been a Christian for 30 years or 50 years or 10 years, if you're not growing each day, then it all becomes, oh, um, okay, yeah, that's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right? But when you have that Disneyland or Disney World mentality of, you know, it's an exciting, beautiful world. And i got to tell somebody, that's what it's all about. That as we go into all the nations, we, we teach what is there. That's what's so beautiful about new Christians. And, and with new Christians, you know, they're excited about what has happened. They don't go thinking, well, I don't really understand predestination or transubstantiation or all millennial positions, so I guess I won't say anything to anybody because I really don't know that. Who cares? If somebody is to that point where they're saying, well, explain to me this and this and this, I can't, but I know that Jesus loves me. And I know that Jesus changed 
my life. Wow. That's it. That's all that needs to be done there. You know, Dragnet, you know, you older people way back when with Joe Friday. Just the facts, ma'am. Tell them what you know. Here's what I know. If you need to know anything else, go ask Pastor Mary. <laughs> Just thought I'd make that clear. <laughs> you know, as you're teaching your child or your grandchild, you sing rhymes to them, you, you talk to them, you play with them on the floor, you do those kind of things. You know, by the time they need to learn about physics or calculus or those kind of things, hey, somebody else is going to be teaching that anyway, so you don't worry about that. Worry about the basics, the essentials. As you go into all nations, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. So how do we do that? I mean, give me a break. I'm just me. You know, there's a whole world out there, and it scares me, and it scares me even to go and talk to somebody. How do I do that? Notice what it says next. It says, for I am with you, how often? Always. I'm with you always. I'm with you all of the time. It's like having a, a big brother who is always protecting your back. You know what I'm talking about there? You know, when I was in high school, I played basketball. And I was, I was a 5'11", 144-pound wonder. You know, they always wondered, how does he stand up? <laughs> yeah. and, and they used to, one team referred to me when they talked about who was going to guard who. They said, well, you guard the anemic-looking one. That was me. <laughs> and, uh, but, but I was really competitive. Uh, yeah, right. I was really competitive, and, and I wouldn't back down to people because I was so competitive. You know, I would never fight people because they'd kill me, but I would never back down in a basketball game or that kind of situation because I was competitive. And I can remember one game. We'd finished the game. We were walking off the court, and one guy comes up to me, and he says, I want to fight you. So what? <laughs> I want to fight you. You know, because we had been very competitive on the court. And I, I said, wait a minute. Bobby! And there was a guy on our team named Bobby Robbins. And Bobby was a fighter. I mean, he was the toughest guy in the school. I said, Bobby, this guy wants to fight you! <laughs> and, and the guy said, no, I don't want to fight him. I want to fight you. Forget it. You fight Bobby or nobody. Well, there wasn't a fight that day. But Rob, Bobby had my back. And the beautiful thing is when we go out to, to share what we have found with the world is that he is always with us. Jesus is always there. Christ's powerful presence in our lives enables us to do everything that he calls us to do. So how long do we do this then? Do we reach a certain age and been there, done that, let the younger ones do it? No, no, that doesn't work. Because in the next verse it says that he will be with us even to the very end of the ages. See, Jesus assures us of his favor and his affirmation and his blessing. He tells us that. In fact, I have a, look at Philippians chapter 2, 
verses 1 and 2. For it says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, notice all of these things are things that we have, if any tenderness and compassion, you're getting set up here, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. My friends, we are called to be one in spirit, one in purpose, to take what God has given us and to share that with others. Hudson Taylor, a famous missionary, once said, God's will done, God's will done in God's way will not lack God's support. So, one last question. Not how does Jesus make a difference in your life? You know, we're past that. You know, we already know what that is. But how does Jesus make a difference in other people's lives through us? You see, it really is simple. There is a plan. God has a plan. And the plan is that he calls us, he changes us, and then he sends us out. That is the plan, that others might hear the word of God. Now, if we're not going to do what he asks us to do, you know what plan B is? Do you? Well, I don't either. I mean, it's plan A or it seems like nothing. That he has determined that it is our responsibility to, as we go into the world, into all nations, that we teach what he has commanded us and that he will be with us always to the end of time. That's the plan. That's what we are to be about. It's simple, and yet it's so complex. Let me end with a, a little piece that years ago when I worked in a youth group, this girl wrote this down for me. I thought maybe she had written it from her own life, but since then I've found copies of it, so she just saw it someplace and wrote it down. It's a piece called My Friend. My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. On earth I walked with you day by day, and never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we lived together on earth, you never told me of the second birth. And now I stand this day condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things. That's true. I called you friend and trusted you, but... I learn now that it's too late. You could have kept me from this fate. We walked by day and talked by night, and yet you showed me not the light. You let me live and love and die. You knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life and trusted you through joy and strife. And yet on coming to the end, I cannot now Call you my friend. Let's pray. Lord, may we 
May we be obedient to your call to make disciples. May we step out of maybe what's an uncomfortable zone for us. And that while we go out into this world that we might share your love with others. May we always be willing and ready to share what we know. And that is that you love us. And that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus. Lord God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could receive the offering now. <clears throat>